Welcome to the City Collective Church Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that in today's message, you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. Well, good morning, City Collective Church. It is so good to be back with you again. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Maurice. I'm a pastor here in the States. Uh, Boulder, Colorado is where my wife and I uh, are living these days. And I'm not gonna give a big intro this time because I wasn't, uh, I was with you not too long ago in the summer of 2020. So here's the thing, the first time I'm with you, I'm a guest. The second time I'm with you, I'm home, people, all right? I'm chilling, you guys are family. I'm a brother from another mother these days, all right? So thank you for having me once again and always a big shout out to your pastors, Jason, and Adriana, thank you for having me back again. Listen, today is going to be a great day, and I'm so glad to be with you all. And I got to get started because there's so much to say. When Jason called me and we were talking a little bit about the series, and I'm so glad to be a part of this series because sometimes when a pastor calls and they ask you to speak, they give you this like weird, like, you know, revelations, and they're like, I don't know how to preach about the seven horses and the seals. And, you know, I don't want to do that. Like, I, it's, I can, but I don't really want to. But he told me that you guys are in a series around the parables. What I love about the parables so much is that there leans into this idea of who God is. And today, as we talk about the parables, which simply is a fictional story with a spiritual meaning, a, spirit, a fictional story with a spiritual meaning. And I got to say that because sometimes I even forget myself that these aren't real people or real characters. But what is special about it is that we can all find ourselves within the story. And this is why Jesus does this, because the crowds that he addresses are actually broad crowds. And they're able to find themselves within the story because there's a fictional story with a spiritual meaning, a spiritual message. And I say that before I get started today, because on today, no matter who you are, no matter what your background is, I can guarantee you, you can find yourself in today's story, in today's message of who God is, the heart of who Christ is. You will see that and you will see yourself as well. It doesn't matter if you're a person who's a skeptic, if you're a person who's spiritually curious, if you're a person who's an agnostic, a Christian, a baptized Christian, a Catholic, uh, whatever you fall under, Jesus knows that. And the parables have a timeless message around who, the, the essence of the, of the message that they carry that is so special when Jesus tells them. So today, as we lean into the parables, I have a parable that I'm going to tell. And the entire message of today, or if I were to give it a title, it would be the pursuit of God. I want to frame today and give a little bit of context uh, actually with a story, right? If I were to title it, it would be The Pursuit of God, but I got to tell you a little bit of a story so that I can bring you even closer to today's message. We find ourselves in the context. I want to read uh, Luke 15, verse 1. What I love about this is that it shows us exactly where we are. It says tax collectors and other, I'm reading the New Living Translation version. It says tax collectors and other notorious sinners. It actually says that notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Let me stop for a second. People who were nothing like Christ liked Christ. People who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus and found themselves around Jesus. 
These people were notorious sinners, but they came around him. Verse two says this made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people and even eating with them. So Jesus sat them all down and told a story, a parable. And the parable that we're about to read talks about the pursuit of God. And the story that I want to tell you before we get to that parable is one of my own upbringing, my own background. See, just to give you a little bit of insight about myself, I used to be a student pastor, a youth pastor here in the States, and I did that for many years. And to be honest, man, that next generation has my heart. I love the heartbeat, the vibrancy, the, the just uh, resolve that a lot of the young people have these days in that next generation. And I love being able to walk with them and disciple them. So I did that for many years. I don't know how good I was or whatever the case may be, but I did it. All right. I loved being a part of that, uh, that whole journey of a youth as a youth pastor. And one of the things that comes along with being a youth pastor is youth camps. You guys, anybody out there, go ahead and, you know, I don't know, hit the like button or something. You've been to a youth camp before? Come on now. We've been to a youth camp, and I, one of the youth camps that we held one time was actually in the woods. And because it's the next generation, I felt like we had to bring some of the old school games back, and we had to play hide and seek. I, I know there's new games out, and I know it's a lot of controller games, and I'm like, no, we're going to play hide and seek. And let me tell you, there's nothing like hide and seek when you play it in the woods, in the dark. There's one thing about playing hide and seek in the suburbs and it's daytime. It's another thing when you're playing in the dark and in the woods. Now, what is a brother doing in the woods playing hide and seek? I don't know, right? But Colorado has changed me in many ways. But that's not the story. As a youth pastor, though, we would do this and we went to this camp. We were playing hide and seek, right? So we played this whole thing. And so a couple, you know, 30 minutes go by, we're playing it. And I'm exhausted. I get to the point where I'm like, all right, everybody's kind of good. You know, we're dwindling down in the numbers. Everybody's kind of getting caught. They're tagged, whatever the case may be. We're finding them. And there's one person that's uh, seeking and there's one person that's hiding. And we get all the way boiled down to it's 1v1 now. And we're hours actually into this, all the way into the midnight hour. I'm talking about like, I'm telling them, hey, we got to cut it. Like we're done. It's time to go to bed. And they're still playing. There was an intensity around the person who was hiding that they went so far. And I actually, as a youth pastor, I was like, I'm scared. I don't even know if I can find this person at this time. And I'm trying to call the game, but they're still playing and they're still intensely going after it. And so at the person that was hiding ended up being like under a canoe, under like the, 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 the platform. I mean, I would have never found this boy in the dark under all these different things. Right. But the thing is, what I loved even more about this is that the person who was seeking never gave up. The person who was seeking, this young boy, he said, he, I mean, he kept brushing me off. I'm like, all right, it's time to go to bed. He's like, no, 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 I'm going to find them. And I had to end up calling the game in general, and he never ended up finding the person. But that's not the story. The story is how the intensity of the person who was seeking after him never ended. He, he continued to look under every single thing, climbing trees. I mean, people, we're talking about in the dark, flashlights and no stone unturned. And he never gave up. The intensity of the person that was seeking remained. He continued to chase after, pursue after the person who was hiding. And what I love about this talk on today is that it actually builds on last week's. Because Jason began to talk about and begin to lean into the idea of what it means to be lost. Now, we can relate to that feeling of being lost. Today, I, I want to take another shift and actually talk about what it means to be pursued. 
What, what does it look like to be chased after? Not in a negative sense, right? Like I'm not talking about, you know, you being on a dating site and somebody being weird about their pursuit of you. I'm talking about what it actually means when there's a pursuit and how it evokes something within us. When love begins to chase us down, what does it look like when we are being chased after, pursued after by our creator? It actually does something within us. I remember dating my wife and in our dating stages, it was the one that was awesome and then we had a few hiccups. And I remember after one particular hiccup, I said, listen, this is going to be a one that I am serious about. This is a relationship that I am committed to. And I told her, babe, listen, I want you to do from now on, this is all I want you to do. I just want you to watch my actions because the way that I pursue you, it will tell you what it means, what, how much you mean to me, how much I love you. I just want you to watch my actions. I know up until now I've been doing some things that I messed up and all these other things, but I just want you to watch me up until now. And there's something about my pursuit towards my wife that it did something within her and it reciprocated a love back towards me. City Collective Church, today, I want to talk about what it means for us and what happens within us when we are pursued by our creator. Today's parable is actually in a clump of parables. There's the parable of the lost sheep. There's the parable of the lost coin. And then there's the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. That's where I want to rest on today is the prodigal son. Maybe you've heard this story before in Luke chapter 15. The prodigal son is one, it's a, it's a normal story, it's a, uh, a very common story, I should say, where many people tell this story, but I, what I love so much about this story, and I don't have time to tell the whole thing, right? There's two sons, one stays home and one decides to take all of his uh, inheritance and run far away. And the Bible says that he is having wild parties, wild living, and there's a moment where he actually comes to his senses, his senses and comes and starts to take a turn and walk back home. What I want to lean into with the, the verse that I want to focus on is going to be verse 20. And it says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. Filled with love and compassion. As he saw him a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. Filled with love and compassion, he ran. Two words that I often find myself visiting. City Collective, sometimes I go through things in my life and there's only two words in scripture that give me comfort. There's only two words that one day I was reading this word and it landed so heavy. It resonated so much with my soul that I embrace, that I long after. And it gives me perspective and it gives me solace. He ran. He Ran. Don't, don't miss that message on today. He ran. That, that word there, that verb is not there for no reason. That verb of he ran, it shows us, it insinuates, it gives us the heart of God in this moment. It gives us the pursuit of God in this moment that long before we decided to make a choice, he ran. 
no matter who you are today, I just want to encourage you, if you take nothing else from today's message, I want you to take away that he ran. But Maurice, you don't know my story. Listen, Maurice, you don't know the addictions that I have. Maurice, listen, I know you're a preacher and you're talking about this story of love and all these different things, but you don't know the divorce that I just went through. You don't know the hatred that I have in my heart. Maurice, you don't understand the things that I do. Listen, you don't understand because no one understands. Even the people that are closest to me don't even know the things that I do or the things that I face. Maurice, I understand the message that you're trying to give today, but do you understand the self-harm that I do? Do you understand the things that I face in my mind, the mental health issues that I'm facing? Listen, you don't get it, Maurice. And maybe you're right as it relates to me not getting it. But today, what I want you to get is that even in the midst of all the things that we face on a daily basis, he ran. Let me let me even press down. Let me double down on that for a second and say that he runs. His love runs. His love chases after us. We get to embrace our creator. And let me encourage you on today that no matter what your background is, he ran long before you made a choice, long before you thought about it. He ran. The scripture tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Christ loved us, Christ pursued us. The heart of this parable that we see in the prodigal son is the heart of a God that pursues no matter what, the heart of a father that pursues after us, he ran. And today I just wanna extract a couple points, a few things of what happens when he ran. Well, what happens when the pursuit of God, what happens in us, what is evoked in us when we are pursued by God? Because there's something special about being pursued by our creator who wants relationship with us. One of the things that happens when we are pursued, one of the things that show that we are shown said it puts things in perspective. That's right. When we are pursued, it puts things in perspective. Today, as I talk about this, I, I'm reminded a little bit because I'm, as I'm leaning into this idea of the heart of the father that is pursuing the son, as I was writing this sermon, it reminded me of a friend that I have. And I'm in seminary class right now, and I'm going after uh, this master's and all these other things. And I remember coming across a friend of mine who's still in class uh, in seminary with me till today. And one of the things that she mentioned to me, and as I was writing this sermon, I felt like it was necessary for me to bring up today. One of the things that she said for me today, or not today, but one of the things that she mentioned to me was that sometimes when she hears scripture and she hears about a father, it's actually more triggering than it is comfort. That she didn't grow up with a father like the scripture. She actually grew up with a father that was a little bit more abusive dismissive and neglectful in her life. I grew up with a father that was amazing in my superhero till today. And I don't want to breeze over when we're talking about the heart of this father who's running, because I think it's important for us to know that this parental figure, this guardian figure that we see in scripture may not be like the one that you've experienced in your own life. But what happens when we see the heart of this father is it puts things in perspective to let us know what it means to have one who loves and embraces, one who shows us true love. The scripture lets us know 
that God is a father to the fatherless, a mother to the motherless. What this lets me in on, what it insinuates is it shows us that what God, what we need God to be in our life, he will be. If it's a foundation, if it's a rock, if it's a one who, that we need to lean on, if it's a person that we need to just vent to, if it's a person that we need to talk to in the midnight hour, if it's one that needs to wipe our tears away, God's saying, I will be that for you. Why do I bring that up? Because maybe you haven't come across or didn't get to choose your family members or your parents. Maybe that's triggering for you. I, I want to put things at ease on today and just let you know that this father that shows us that this running after his son puts things in perspective because what he does, he shows us that he puts a ring on his finger, a robe on his back and says, there's nothing more that I need from you outside of you being my son or daughter. You're enough right where you are. You are enough. The chase, the pursuit of God lets us know that right where we are, he pursues us because that's the way he created it. He pursues us because he loves us. Not only do we get to see things put in perspective when it comes to the parental figure, but when God pursues us, we see things put in perspective as it relates to the characters in the story. See, sometimes in this story, when it comes to the prodigal son, there's a few things that happen in church where we begin to talk about the son that stayed home and the son that went far away and then the father. There's three figures. And what we begin to do in church culture is we begin to see which one are we, which one are we, where do we land with all of these things? And a lot of times the heart of the father is the one that, you know, that's God and these things like that. Right. And where's one where, you know, the son that stayed home and the son that left but I want us to imagine for just a few moments another character. Because what I believe what we begin to do as we begin to see this story and we begin to say to ourselves, well, I'm not the one that was at home and man, I'm not the one that ran away. I'll kind of casually find myself in this middle ground. I'll kind of casually find myself with this casual commitment of saying, you know, I don't even know if I really need this Christian thing. Listen, I'm just a good person. Like, isn't that enough? Like, isn't me being trying to be the best dad that I am, loving my wife, isn't that enough? Isn't it enough of just being a student that is following after just, you know, doing, you know, what I do and just being good to people? Isn't that enough? I mean, Maurice, I'm not the guy that stayed home, right? Like, and that would be the category of like a Pharisee, this religious stuck up person, the son that stayed home and he needs that. And you're, you're not the one that wild living and all those things. Like you're finding yourself in this whole middle ground of like, I'm not necessarily that nor that. And what we begin to do is we begin to try to compromise and find ourselves in this middle ground. The, here's the best way that I can put it. I'm not the best student, and I know that I said I was going after a master's, but I never graduated college before this. Like, I didn't have a BA, and high school was one I just cruised through because I was a likable person. Like, I was not good. I was not the person that you wanted on your group project because I was the one that was like, I can present because, like, I'm good at talking, but you can do the research for me, right? Like, that was kind of like where I was. <laughs> Right. Not the best student at all. So much so that I was the one that when we would come to class and there would be sometimes that the teacher, you've probably been in this situation where the teacher would give all the tests back. And she's like, maybe I'm not teaching right. Or he maybe I'm not teaching right because everybody didn't get good grades. Like no one got good grades. 
And what happens when everyone in the class, I mean, even the smart Alec kid, the smart one, right? Maybe that's you. You were the smart Alec kid. Even that person didn't get a good grade on the test. What happens? That's right. They grade on a curve. And when I hear we're going to grade on a curve, like my soul jumps for joy because now my 50 is like now a B because the highest grade was like a 65, right? Like I'm excited because now that's the highest grade because there's a grading on the curve. And sometimes in our spiritual walk, we can look at this story and we can say, I'm not that person and I'm not that person. And I'll try to find myself in the middle to try to make myself feel as if I'm good enough. But let me, let me just let you know for a moment that there is no curve in the kingdom of God. That when we look at this story, let us be reminded, I don't care which character that you choose, we are all in need of a God that pursues us. And as we look at this story of the parable of the prodigal son, we are in need of that love. We have been pursued by Christ. And what does that mean for us? That means things are put in proper perspective. But not only are things put in proper perspective because things are not graded on a curve, but what that lets us know is that it started with Christ. That's right. Let me encourage you again. It started with Christ. There's a theologian uh, called W.A. Excuse me, uh, A.W. Tozer. I love A.W. Tozer. He's wrote a book called The Pursuit of God. I would encourage you to read. I would encourage you to grab that book. It's one that's an easy read, but it's also one that dives into the depth of what it means to be pursued by God. When he shows us the pursuit of God, he says these words in his book. It says the impulse to pursue God originates with God. That's right. Our pursuit of God actually starts with God's pursuit of us. But he says this right here. But the outworking of that impulse is our following hard after him. And all the time we are pursuing him, we are already in his hand. The verse that he gets this from is Psalm 63, verse 8, where it says, My soul follows hard after thee, and your right hand upholds me. He leans into this scripture of Psalm 63 and lets us know that the impulse that we have to follow after God originated with God. Like our worship, our credit, our, our in awe of who God is starts because he leaned into pursuing us. And he shows us, and I love the scripture that he, or the, the, the message that he says into this, that all the time we are pursuing him, we are in his hand. City Collective Church, today, all this message is simply about is God's pursuit and our turn. As we close out this message today, that's exactly what I want to talk about. God's pursuit and our turn turn. What does that mean? Well, our turn kind of has a double meaning. Yes, it means our turn as it relates to being second, as it relates to him being first and us second. But not only that, our turn today also means repentance. There's this word in, in scripture, in the Bible, that's repentance. And it's this theological word. And it's somewhere in some ways, it's a big word, not necessarily, but it's a simple word and it has a couple meanings. One of those meanings is that it's a change of mind, to have a change of mind. But another meaning is simply to turn. 
That's right. Repentance, meaning to turn. God's pursue our turn. All the while, the father is sitting in this moment waiting to have us turn. And whether you find yourself as the son, whether you find yourself as the the other son that ran far away, whether you find yourself as the person that's trying to casually be in the middle, wherever you find yourself today, can I let you know, maybe today is a day that demands turn, repentance. Because it all shows us no matter where we are in our lives, the posture of our heart should be to be laying down, to be sacrificing to our father, to be one that turns in in awe, lets us know, God, you first pursued me and this impulse that I have started with you. And because of that, I'm so thankful that no one can come to the father unless the son draws him. And God today, by no means have you watched this by coincidence, is drawing you to him. Well, maybe you're sitting there, Maurice, I'm a Christian. I'm a city collective member. I'm a volunteer. I'm the one that's on the serve team. I'm the one that does this. I'm on the worship team, Maurice. I'm all these different things. Well, listen, don't ever get to a place where as if you feel as if you've arrived. We are all in need of a constant drawing from Christ to take another step closer, to get another glimpse of who he is. Like Moses said, Lord, let me see another side of you. In this season, is God calling you to turn? Maybe you're turning from struggles. Maybe you're turning away from a toxic friendship. Maybe you're turning away from the ambitions of life that have held you down. Maybe you're turning away from the pursuit of a relationship. And God is saying, listen, it's time to turn. It's time to cast your cares on me because I have pursued you. I love you. All of this that we see in the prodigal son, the heart of the father in this moment. Why does Jesus tell this story? He sits down notorious sinners and people who are nothing like him. And he sits down Pharisees and notorious sinners. He takes these two groups of people, very broad in who they are and their background, notorious sinners and Pharisees, religious people. And he says, let me show you the heart of who I am. A God that pursues. And because of his pursuit, we are put in proper perspective because of his pursuit. We turn. City Collective, will you turn with me today? Because I first preached to Maurice. I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to Maurice and then to you. All of us are in need of turn today because God pursued us and because it originated with him. We now can respond. The outworking of our lives can now begin to do that. I love my wife the way that I do. I work the way that I do. I live in the way that I do now because I've been pursued. And I am one that's in need of pursue always. So let us not take the dangerous turn as looking as the son who ran far away as one that he needs love from God. And man, we should love him like Christ loved him. No, 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 no. Let us see that as we have been pursued by Christ because we are him. We sit in this moment to recognize we need to be embraced and loved. City Collective, I'm done. We've been pursued and now it's our turn. God pursues and we turn and we continue to turn. We're just a bunch of imperfect people that daily decide to get up and turn. Let us pray.
Lord, thank you so much for your chase. Thank you so much for your pursuit. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for seeing who we are and yet saying to us that we are enough that you decided to come all the way from heaven, die on a cross and pursue us and yet rise again on that third day and still pursue us. We are so in need of a pursuit, a pursuit that shows us and evokes within us a response and a turn. And it started with you. And for that, Lord, we say thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it challenged, encouraged, and inspired you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.